They love you. The Lord right now, lift him up as high as today. He's worthy. Oh, come on, let's do it a little bit more in here. He's worthy. He's worthy. Yabosata. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Hallelujah to the Lamb. God bless you while you yet stand. Would you please take your Bibles and open them up to the book of Ezekiel, chapter number 22. Would like to say how privileged I am to be asked to speak in this service today. I'd like to give honor to the General Youth Division for this invitation. And I'd like to commend Brother Graham, Brother Miller, and Brother Gaddy for an outstanding job, top-notch curriculum, planning, direction of this meeting. I think you folks have the best. Why don't you give them a good hand right now? I am humbled today to be asked to stand in front of this crowd because I think probably more than anybody else, I, I hardly ever go to the pulpit without giving honor to my pastor, Bishop Robert Johnson. Without him, I'd be nothing. I hardly ever go to the pulpit without giving honor to the host pastor. But today, I think outside of God, the one that deserves the honor is I've been seeing something transpire in the heart of apostolic young people for the last two years. There's something rising up inside of us that want to go back to a purity of worship, a purity of heart, a purity of spirit. You ought to give yourselves a big hand right now, young people. Praise God. I want to know, is God everything? Do you love Him? We're going to the Word of the Lord tonight, Ezekiel chapter 22. I have much to say, so I have to hasten through it. One thing I would like to say right now, somewhere over here, I have a little girl. Where's Bethany at? Bethany, there's my little girl. Happy birthday, baby. Pardon me for being personal, but uh, I love my baby, and I ain't even got to see her yet today. Ezekiel chapter number 22 and verse number 26. Ezekiel chapter number 22 and verse number 26 says, Her priests have violated my law and have profaned my holy things. They have put no difference between the holy and the profane. Neither have they showed difference between the unclean and the clean. And have hid their eyes from my Sabbaths. And I am profaned among them. I want to thank right now Brother Anthony Mangan because he made my job a whole lot easier today. We need more commitment preaching. I said we need more 
commitment preaching. Brother Anthony Mangan led us to a deeper realm of consecration last night. And surely in light of that, it makes my job somewhat easier to be able to minister to this congregation. Today I've been asked to speak about a subject of dire importance. And the only way to really be close to God is if we dwell within the parameters of holiness. And I, I tell you what I think. A message like this requires that our spirit move up another level of spiritual sensitivity towards God. So I think we're going to lift up our voice and sing a song that says, Surround me, O Lord. Why don't you lift your hands up right now and everybody in this building draw closer to the Master right now. Would you do that? Let's sing. Why don't everything in the building lift your hands up? There's one more song that I want us to worship to right now. It's a fairly popular song, so I suspect most of you are going to know it. One more time, would you help me by stepping into the realm of holiness, lifting your hands, lifting your heart to God right now as we sing this song. Sound men, would you help me? Come on. Somebody worship. thousands of people here. Somebody ought to worship. Anybody shouting? That's enough. Please stop the music. Now, wait a minute, folks. We've got several thousands of people in here. Why was nobody worshiping to that music? God bless you. Today I'm going to be ministering from the dire subject 
the truth about the Christian rock lie. Would you lift your hands up and pray for Brother White right now before we go on in this service? God bless you. You can be seated. I suppose the very best way to start this message today is to challenge you to answer some very important questions right now. Why did this massive crowd of people not produce anybody that could really worship to that kind of music? If that's gospel, tell me the reason that you didn't feel comfortable lifting up your hands or talking in tongues. If that's gospel, why didn't I see anybody kneeling down on the ground like this young man was a minute ago? You want me to tell you why? Because regardless of what it's called, it contradicted the spirit of worship inside of you because it's unholy. I feel passionate about this subject. You can be seated if you'd like to for a moment. I feel passionate about this subject because all too often outside of our sanctuaries and unfortunately inside of some of our sanctuaries, this kind of music is guilty of raping the righteousness of pure worship. Pardon me today for being so blunt, but if I close my Bible right now, I've shattered every logical excuse for using this music by proving to you already it is literally impossible to worship with that kind of music. Hell would like to tell you that music doesn't matter. But I want you to understand something from the very beginning of time, before time even began. Music is a prime key to the spiritual health or the spiritual sickness of any congregation. Let me just, let me just level the playing field today to tell you where we're at and what we're going to be doing. I intend to take every argument that's offered for this monstrosity called gospel rock and show you that it's nothing more than one of the biggest lies that's ever been shoved into the face of God's church. I know, I, I realize there are some out there that are probably saying, Brother White, you just don't understand. You don't know music. You don't know much about music. Let me just set the record straight. I play eight different instruments. We've got three different choirs. I've got some of the best musicians in all of Pentecost in my church. I know a little bit about music. I know a little bit about what music can do. And I want to tell you there's something unholy about this kind of music. I want to tell you there's something in the righteousness of young people that says I want more than that kind of music. I want something I can edify God with. I want something I can glorify God with. Brother Graham said it so very well. Uh, it's only fair to warn you that if I'm to confront the issues today, there are some of you that are going to have your righteousness feel like it's been spiritually violated. For that, I'm really sorry. And, and there's going to be some godly people among us today who are going to see things in this message that are going to offend your holiness. And again, I'm sorry. But the fact of the matter is, somebody has got to lift their voice up and confront the issue that's at hand and show us how dangerous this monstrosity has really become. The first argument that I think we need to tackle today is one that would try to justify this kind of music by pointing out the fact that they may quote scriptures or they may say the name of Jesus. Let me prove this today by asking you another question. Is Satan holy simply because he quoted scriptures? The Bible said that when he meant Jesus, 
He come to Jesus quoting scriptures. I ask you today, is Satan holy because he quoted scriptures? If we use your justification, the scripture in the name of Jesus is what makes it holy by the very same equation. We have to eliminate Satan from being evil. I propose to you that Satan knows the Bible more than most Pentecostals do, and there's nothing holy about Satan. What about the man that uses the name of God in vain? Is he holy? Absolutely not. What about Anton LaVey, the leader of the Satanic Church, who took our Bible to put together as a prototype of the Satanic Bible that they use to this day? Was Anton LaVey, the founder of the Satanic Church, holy? Absolutely not. And likewise, I've got to tell you that this kind of music is also a very unholy thing. It doesn't make it holy because he uses the name. It doesn't make it holy because he quotes Scripture. It's got to have more than a scripture here and there. It's got to have more. It's got to have the spirit of holiness. Clap your hands to the Lord and love Him right now. I'm not afraid to tell you that it goes beyond compromising borders on spiritual insanity to think that anything and everything that quotes Scripture is holy. I realize there's some of you out there right now that will say, Brother White, do you really think this is a necessary thing to worry about? The sad answer, answer is an absolute yes. I point you to the recent July 16, 2001 issue of Newsweek magazine. I want you to notice on the very cover, you got to see this. It's not some small article buried in the back of the magazine. It's front cover material proclaiming that Jesus rocks. Showing part of a crowd. The magazine states that it was 50,000. I believe there was a retraction in the next issue that said it was a Dallas concert instead of a Tulsa. I'll go into more detail about that article later. But suffice it to say that making the cover of Newsweek magazine should testify to us as to how big this gospel rock mentality has gotten. It is a proven statistic that the fastest growing area of gospel music today is gospel rock. And according to studies, it's absolutely sweeping the nation. Not long on my uh, America Online to read some news, and I was immediately drawn to the key thing. You'll see it on the overhead. It says, Christian rock and roll on the rise. As I begin to read that, it said that, it stated rather, that Christian rock and roll is on the rise. And it pointed out that it is now a $3 billion a year business. Understand that. It has become such a lucrative business that it went on to state in that article that muse, country music is the largest selling format in the world right now. And this states that for every ten country CDs that are sold, there are seven Christian rock CDs sold. This has become big business. Let me point something else out right now that caught my attention. A short time ago, there was a unique article in our local Beaumont Enterprise newspaper. I want you to see the article right now. The headline said, Hardcore Hymns. At the top of the article, it says, You're never going to believe where this mosh pit is. It goes on to show kids body surfing and slamming into each other. It appears that one of the largest Baptist churches in our area has uh, realized that their Sunday night services are dying. Honey, I don't care what you think about your Sunday night services. You ought to thank God they ain't dying. <laughs> your 
preacher may preach a little bit long. Your choir may sing one or two songs too many. But thank God you got something alive in your church. Thank God you got something moving in your church. Thank God that somebody has still got apostolic fire and apostolic power. One of the largest Baptist churches in the Beaumont, Texas uh, city. They, they realized their Sunday night crowds were dying. It goes on to say that on Sunday nights they take out the altars. They get rid of all the stuff off the platform and they turn the platform, the sanctuary, into a rock and roll arena. And they have different groups come in and sing and preach and, and excuse me, sing and play their rock music. Listen to me very carefully. They've turned the altar area into a mosh pit where kids can dive off the platform into crowds of young people who are already slamming into each other in a music-driven frenzy. You've got to see this now. I've got to get a hold of somebody in this house whose heart, whose mind, whose soul is ingrained in holiness and show you what kind of spirit is driving this music. The youth pastor of that church writes in this very article, and he says this, and I want you to notice this. He says this, the reason, since rebellion fact, the rebellion factor is part of what makes rock and roll music appealing to teens, then listening to gospel rock allows young people to be both good Christians and totally rebellious at the same time. You think that's just some meaningless muttering from somebody that doesn't really know the difference? Let me point you back to the Newsweek article again. There's a man in there. He's the lead singer of a group named Audio Adrenaline, named Mark Stewart. He makes the following statement, and I quote, He said, I think rebellion and Christianity go together. Youth Congress 2001, I beseech a spirit of holiness in you to remember that your Bible said that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. You cannot be holy and rebellious at the same time. It is impossible to be holy and rebellious at the same time. I want you to understand with me today, the driving spirit behind this music is rebellion. And it is impossible to be driven by rebellion and led by the Spirit at the same time. If it's all the same to you, I want to be led by the Spirit. I want to be, Brother Mangan said it last night, I want to be led by the Spirit. Have we slipped? Have we slipped so far in our hearts? Have we slipped so far from the purity of spirit that we can try to link up the rebellion of rock and roll and the holiness of Christianity? I fear that we're walking too close to the fulfillment of Scripture that said in the last days, the children of darkness may be wiser than the children of light. What makes me say that? Because in a time when religious groups are trying to link the rebellion of rock and roll music to the holiness of the church, even Newsweek magazine itself went on to say in the next clip that the values of Christianity and the anti-values of rock and roll seem morally incompatible. Listen to me carefully. You cannot link rebellion and righteousness. You cannot link up anger and holiness. You've got to somehow draw a line between that and what we're supposed to be. Clap your hands and love the Lord right now.
<laughs> I spoke to an addict the other day. He sat there with all the paraphernalia around him. He sat there with his eyes bloodshot. I was trying to tell him his need to live for God sitting in my office. Young man, ready to kill himself. He sat in my office and I began to counsel with him and tell him about the ways of God. Telling him how much he needed God. That young man looked up at me and said, Preacher, don't tell me I'm so much different than you people are. He said, Hey, look, you Christians even have your own rock and roll music now. You can't tell me we're so different. <laughs> I'm sure today that most of you have matured far beyond that mentality. But the fact remains that it's among us. And somebody has got to address this creature. Somebody has got to address this monster. Somebody's got to deal with this thing called gospel rock. Now understand with me today, I realize full well that the true test of its merit has already been shattered by your inability to worship to it. That alone, listen to me very carefully, that alone should settle the issue for every honest soul in this building. But yet my spirit's compelled at the request of this, this uh, youth committee. I've come today to preach this, but my spirit, my very spirit, is compelled to find some of you that I've seen walking around here and let you know if you're ever going to be used of God. You've got to find a way to separate your spirit from the spirit of the world. You've got to find a way to separate your mentality from the mentality of the world. As a matter of fact, I'd like for us to look at this through God's perspective right now. To truly understand God's opinion on something, you have to utilize what's being called in the theological study of the Bible, the law of initial precedent. This simply means that you can only find God's real intention by looking at the reason that God first created it or first dealt with it. Yet when we look at the first glimpse that we have of music in the Bible, we need to realize that Satan was first. Music was first in its very origin, designed for worship. Music was created in Satan by God himself. A very part of the physical structure of Satan's body, if you please, was timbrels and pipes, and the gift of music was placed in him for the sole purpose of exalting and edifying God. Can I tell you today that God's intention for music has always been worship? Can somebody shout worship? But you need to understand that when Satan fell, he never lost the ability to evoke worship through his music. And the importance of that is seen when you understand in almost 99% of the instances in your Bible, worship was all music, was always used for worship. Either you were worshiping God or you were worshiping idols. It all depended on who you wanted to worship. Let me say it again. Your music will either help you worship God or it will help you worship idols. And I don't mind telling you if you can't worship God to the music you listen to, then something's terribly wrong. The law of initial precedent tells us that God's original plan for music was for the purpose of praise. And if you can't praise God to the music you listen to, you don't need it in your stereo. You don't need it in your car. You don't need it in your bedroom. You don't need it in your Walkman. You've got to have something you can worship to. Since music is for worship, let us see how much worship is really evoked in Christian rock. 
I want to see if we can find the worship tonight, okay? For those of you that say the Christian rocks of God, and therefore it's harmless, let me just, let me just put something in your spirit right now, okay? I'm going to play a series of videos. I want you to tell me which ones are rock and roll. I want you to tell me which ones are gospel rock. Because surely, 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 you understand if music was intended for praise, surely the music ought to evoke a spirit of praise within us. Realize with me that time and again throughout your Bible, once anything perverts the purpose, I want to say this today, and you need to listen to me very carefully, young people. If what you're listening to cannot be worshipped to, you have perverted the purpose of music. Let me just get plain today. You can't worship to Marilyn Manson. You can't worship to Nine Inch Nails. You can't worship the Travis Tritt. You can't worship the country singers. You can't worship the Faith Hill. You can't worship to McCraw. You can't. You gotta have something inside of your spirit that lifts God up. And I propose to you that anything you listen to. You cannot praise God to you, sir. You, ma'am, have perverted the purpose of God. And any time that the purpose of God has been perverted, it will lead to other areas of spiritual perversion. Surely, surely, surely. With that in mind, I've taken several clips from videos of concerts. I want you to tell me which ones are gospel rock. And which one's a rock and roll? After all, if Christian rock is really of God, we need to know that this music was created for worship. Here, look up here if you can't see it up here. Is that the one that's rock and roll? Is that Christian? Is that gospel? Come on, some of you listen to that. Is that Christian? Is that rock or is that gospel? Tell me the difference. What about this one? Come on now, tell me. Is it rock or is it gospel? Which one of these are the gospel concerts? Which ones are the rock concerts? How about this, Pastor? Which one of these concerts would you let your young people go to? Come on now. Which one of these concerts, you pastor, would you take your young people to see? How about it, parent? Which one would you give them? Come on, young person. If this is rock and roll, if this is Christian, surely you ought to be able to worship. But I tell you, there is no worship in it. There is no driving passion to love God. It should scare us to death tonight to know that everything you just saw on that screen is supposed to be gospel. Listen to me very carefully. The first one, they're all major players in the Christian rock market. The first one's a band named Crux. The second one was a band named 90 Pound Wuss. Can you imagine that? And the name of the song is Something Must Break. And regardless of what the words say, the message of their music rings loud and clear. They want your convictions to break. They want your respect for the things of God to break. They want the purity of your spirit to break. They want your relationship with God to break. What about P.O.D.? Payable on death. What about the fourth one, training for utopia? 
Every one of them is supposed to be gospel. I propose to you if they're gospel, you show me the worship. You show me the one that you could dance to and talk in tongues. I feel the Holy Ghost in here right now. I think there's some young people that believe what I'm preaching today. I think there's some young people today that believe what I'm saying. Somebody clap your hands and love him right now. Understand. Brother White, you just dressed him up. Oh, yeah? Understand this. It's important to realize that these video clips weren't altered and they weren't dressed up in any way. Each one of them came from the Tooth and Nail videography, Tooth and Nail DVD number one. The only one that didn't come from there was Payable on Death, or P.O.D., and let me tell you where it come from. The director of the largest Christian bookstore in our area gave it to me on a video called the Cordon Third Quarter Video Loop for playing stores between July and September 2000. You want to know where he gave it to me from? He pulled it out of the machine. They have it playing over and over and over in Christian stores trying to sell this stuff as gospel music. Somebody ought to stand to your feet right now and take a stand in your spirit. I don't care what they call it. I don't care what it's called. Oh God, give us a spirit of holiness. Not only did I not see any worship in their music, but I've got to tell you, they looked no different than the world. They were singing music that was no different than the world. They were promoting lifestyles that was no different than the world. But the thing that breaks my heart is it's being purchased by young people that are supposed to be different from the world. Let me proclaim to you today loud and clear, young person. If anything has ever been of God, it's always borne a clear and distinct mark of separation. And you might as well know throughout the pages of your Bible, God has always revealed the nature of His people by a separated life. God said, you want to know who my people are? They're the ones that circumcised. You want to know who my people are? They're the ones that ain't eating the king's meat. You want to know who my people are? They're the ones that live in Goshen. You want to know who my people are? They're the ones that have come out of the world. They're the ones that don't look like the world. They don't... They don't act like the world. Oh, I wish somebody would praise Him right now. I've spent literally hundreds of hours hundreds of dollars in scores of hours investigating this thing called Christian rock. I tried to find some virtue. I tried to find some meaning in it. And I'm telling you, after hours and hours and hours, I could find no value in it whatsoever. I feel driven to tell you today, first and foremost, before God ever called you to preach, before when God saved you, He put a calling on your life. And that calling was to be sanctified unto Himself. 
The word sanctified means set apart from the world and separated to God's use. Simply put, if this kind of music is really of God, then surely there's a strong line of separation between our music and the world's music. Pardon me for being blunt today, but I saw nothing set apart from the world in those clips. I saw nothing separated from the world in their appearance. I know. Sit down a minute. I know the next argument. It's always the next argument. Brother White, you just don't understand. You've got to relate to them to reach them. We've got to relate to the world to reach the world, Brother White. Can I tell you, if we have to relate to the world to reach the world, then we better not stop with our music. If relating to the world means reaching the world, then for the sake of world evangelism, we've got to witness to them every way we can. If relating to them means reaching them, let me show you the greatest witnesses in this house today. Come on. If relating to the world is reaching the world, let me show you the greatest witnesses we got. Come here, guys. Come here. You say, Brother White, you got to relate to them to reach them. Stop the music, please. You got to relate to them to reach them. If relating to the world is reaching them, then this is your witnesses. These are the ones that ought to be turning the world upside down. I want to tell you today, that was not God's idea of separation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brother White. You're going to extremes. Oh, yeah? The picture that was just up there. I'll show you where we got the patterns for it. We got it off their videos. We got it out of their magazines. These are all gospel rock people. Brother White, they're not really like that. Oh, yes, they are. Their pictures are in the papers. They're in the magazines. They're in the videos. I've come to preach to somebody. you got to wake up and realize there's something different about the church. Don't you think it's a little more than coincidence that the ones that are playing that kind of music are the ones that are looking like the world? The ones playing that kind of music are the ones that look like the world and act like the world. I ask you, is that really separated? Where is the separation there? The white, you're judging them. Well, let, let me set the record straight on something. I am so sick of carnal people looking at apostolic young people saying you're judging us. You don't have a right to judge us. Might I remind you, the Bible said you shall know them by their fruits. Maybe pink hair is their fruit. Maybe green hair is their fruit. They got necklaces on. They got hearts on. But I've got to tell you, it takes more than a heart. It takes more than screaming the name. Oh, sit down a minute. 
the light? What are you so worked up about? Because I've come today to preach to this congregation. If you listen to this music long enough, the spirit of this music will have an effect on your life. You don't think so? I didn't say they didn't start off with pure intentions. It's just that the spirit of this music opens them up to something that's vile and something that's dangerous. I believe with all of my heart there's a lot of groups out there, Brother Pedagogue, that are very sincere. But you know what? They're as sincerely wrong as the Trinitarians are. You can be sincere and wrong at the same time, don't you? Those trapped in false doctrine are sincere. They're just wrong. Listen to me very carefully. I'm trying to say this as nice as I can. I'm not trying to tear these people apart. I'm trying to tell you there's a spirit behind their music that we don't need in the church. We don't need an apostolic ranks. We don't need among us. For instance, look at DC Talk. Look at the early albums. They look like a bunch of Pentecostal kids. They, no, granted, they look like they've been to Youth Congress. Look a little worse for the wear. But you look at them now. They wear skulls on their shirts and, and, uh, and uh, skeletons on their black shirts. And, and they got shaved heads and dreadlocks. And, and they look anything but uh, uh, Christian. What happened to them? Want to say something else? Listen to me well. Kirk Franklin wrote some of the greatest songs that we've had among us in years. But when he starts leaning too close to the contemporary, all of a sudden we have hardcore rap. And we got ladies out gyrating in metallic pantsuits. I want to ask you, where is the separation? Where is the separation? Again, their intentions may be pure, but their approach is absolutely hideously deceived. It's supposed to be ministry, and it's become a sickening sideshow of spiritual perversion. Let me show you something. Where's my other young people at? Give me some Pentecostal young people up here today. Come on now. Where's the girls at? Come on. Come on, girls. Come up here. Come up here. Come up here. Listen to me very carefully. The Bible said you are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill can be hid. If you're dying and on your way to a devil's hell, who do you want knocking on your door? Somebody like this or somebody? Who do you want knocking? You need an apostolic. You need somebody righteous. You need, you need somebody holy. Stay right here. Woo! Clap your hands to the Lord and love Him. Some time ago, I was preaching in a large metropolitan area. In the middle of my message, in the middle of the message, brother, like, there was a man who just stood up and he ran out the side door. And I thought, well, I must have offended the old boy. 
And he ran out and got in his car. But what I didn't know is that God had spoke to him, Brother Lucky. And the, and, and the, the story come back later. And they said that God had dealt with them and said, go get in your car now. The man left church and got in the car. God said, turn here, and he turned there. Turn here, and he turned there. And God said, stop here, and stopped him in the bad part of town. What he didn't know is there was a woman inside that house who had lost her family and lost a job and lost her marriage. And she took a bottle of pills in one hand and a glass of water in the other and told God, Lord, you've got 30 minutes to stop me. If you're really God, if you're really there, you've got 30 minutes to stop me or I'm going to take my life. Five minutes, four minutes, three minutes, two minutes. And all of a sudden there was a knock at the door. She opened the door. That man said, I'm here. God send me. I ask you tonight, if you're ready to pull the trigger, who do you want knocking on your door? Somebody that looks no different or somebody that says, I know who I am. I'm a child of God. I'm called out. I'm blood bought. You folks be seated back there. Please, be seated back there. Come on. You too. You notice they're not worshiping much? <laughs> listen to me very carefully. i got to preach to somebody in this house. Please listen to me. You judge for yourselves. If you were dying, who would you want knocking on your door? Ain't it amazing that this same crowd... Get ready, Brother Graham. This same crowd, in the name of God... They promote an unholy music that endorses lifestyles adorned with spiked hair, dreadlocks, tattooed riddle bodies that slam into each other in mosh pits while diving off platforms into frenzied stages. And all of it under the banner of ministry. It's no wonder that God, in our opening scripture today, spoke to Ezekiel one day. Read for me, Brother Graham. And he said, let me tell you why I'm angry. Let me tell you why I'm ready to pour out my wrath. Read. Her priests have violated my law. Those who claim to be my ministers have violated my law. And, have, and have profaned my holy things. They've made sinful holy things. Honey, the music was holy in the beginning. Read. And they have put no difference, no be difference between the holy and profane. Between the holy, there's no difference in their mind between the holy and the sinful. Read. Neither have they showed difference between the unclean no difference and the clean. Between the unclean and the clean. Read. And have hid their eyes from my Sabbath. They hid their eyes from the laws of God. And I am profane and among God them. God said, I myself am made to look Sinful among them. Listen to me very carefully. I want to preach to this congregation today and tell you that God is not a part of their sinful silliness. There is still a difference between the holy and the unholy. 
there's still a distance between the clean and the unclean. I don't care. I don't care how many times they claim to be ministers. Bear with me. i got some information you got to get a hold of. I don't care how many times they claim to be ministers. It's the spirit they promote that's unholy. They don't look any different than the world. Because the spirit they promote is no different than the world. Newsweek magazine. It says the surly singer pounding the stage with a steel-toed boot. Sweating right through his baggy army fatigues and black bandana. He gestures like a member of a vicious street gang. He screams and he roars into the mic. His arms swinging low as if on the way to the requisite crotch grab. Does that sound separate to you? Newsweek goes on to say in the next one. In the mosh pit, spike-haired boys do a fine job of knocking the bejesus out of each other and stopping mid-slam only to let a bunny hopping conga line through. Folks, it sounds more like a punk rock club than a Christian concert. Where is the difference? <laughs> Give me the next one. They prance around on stage. Look at it. They prance around on stage in various states of undress. And they mock anything that speaks of modesty or holiness. Does that look like a minister to you? Go on. They get caught up in the music until both musicians and concert goers find themselves in trance-like states that allows the music to control their actions, their reasoning, and unfortunately their attitudes. Where is the ministry in that? Go on. Instead of ministers, if they're ministers, their lifestyle should promote righteousness and holiness. Instead of tattooing and spiked hair and rebellion and ungodly gestures and unholy attitudes. You want to know what their ultimate goal is? You want to know who they're trying to lift up in their ministry? One group called Fan Mail says it better than anybody else. Give me the next one, brothers. He says, I want to be in a rock and roll band. I want to have lots of rock and roll fans. The song goes on to say, I want to be the guy up on stage, jumping around. I'm the latest rage. I want to tell you today, and you listen to me with all you've got, most of these people are nothing more than wannabe rock stars that have found an incredibly compromised group of young people that will purchase their hellish hybrid. I want to tell you who they honor. I told you music is always used for worshiping God or idolatry. I'll tell you who they're lifting up. They're ministry, ministers of their own idolatry. Don't you ever think that just because Satan fell, he lost the ability to draw worship to idols by music. I propose to you that a large percentage of contemporary, most of the gospel rock and Christian rap are nothing more than an invitation to idol worship. You look at these pictures. You tell me who's being worshipped. Who's being worshipped there? Listen to me. Look at the crowds thronging to touch him. Who is it being worshipped there? Try the next one. 
They're giving this guy more attention in one moment than they probably gave God all night long. Look at the next one. DC Talk. You tell me who their praise is being aimed at. You know what the big craze right now in gospel rock is? Boy bands. Christian comparisons of bands like NSYNC, Backstreet Boys. That's the big rage right now. And the promoters are doing it for a reason. They know if they pick them up, they already have girls fainting in their concerts, screaming, trying to reach out and touch them. Pardon me for being so honest today, but I could care less if anybody in this building touches Doug White. But if in this house we can touch the hem of his garment... The very same article refers to the attitudes of those present at these concerts. And it speaks of girls gazing dreamily at the newsboy's barefoot guitarist with shoulder-length blonde locks and flowing gauzy garb. My brothers and sisters, if we're going to call it gospel, then don't you think it ought to draw us closer to God than rock's rebellious personalities? Oh, I feel like preaching right now. I want to prove something to you. In case you didn't know it, it takes righteous music to lift up a righteous God. If you're one to worship idols, any kind of music will do. How do I know? Because I read something the other day, Brother Graham, that turned my world inside out. I read about three Hebrew children. And the Bible said that the man told them, I want you to worship my idol. I don't want you worshiping your God. How are you going to get me to worship your idol? He said at the time, you hear the sack, but the psaltery, the flute, the harp, the stringed instruments, and all kinds of music. You can worship my idol. I want to tell you, you can worship idols to rap music. You can worship idols to rock music. You can worship idols to contemporary. But if you're going to worship God, you need something holy. You need something righteous. You listen to me. Oh God, help me right now. Just as surely, as much of what goes under the banner of gospel rock is little more than idolatry. You need to know there's a danger that accompanies that music. There is a spirit that follows that kind of music. Whether you be a musician or just a listener, when you give yourself to that music, there's other spirits that will begin to affect your life. That's why their meetings are filled with people thrusting satanic symbols in the air. No, Brother White. It just means I love you. Notice something. Taken from the Satanic Bible. I want you to look at the next slide. It's taken from the Satanic Bible. It's called the Horned Hand. It's a symbol of recognition between those in the occult. It wouldn't matter if you were in a crowd of 5,000. If they saw you flash that symbol and they were in the occult, that's telling them, I am what you are. 
apostolic young people, you are not an Egyptian. You are not what they are. You are not into witchcraft. You are not. A, we're into Jesus. We're into worship. Next slide. Anton LaVey, the founder of the Satanic Church. Notice the left hand. He's flashing the same sign. Let's go on. High priest in the Satanic Church performing Satanic rituals. Notice the hands. Brother White, I've done that before and I'm not in the occult. That's my point! Something takes over. Another spirit steps onto the scene. And all of a sudden, it's not the Spirit of God pushing you. But it's the Spirit behind the music. I'll prove it again. Next slide, please. Stretch Armstrong. Christian rock band sitting at their table selling their wares. But i got a feeling they're selling more than just their wares. Look at the hands. Brother White, you think they're not sincere? They may be very sincere. But there's another spirit. There's another spirit. There's another spirit. There's a, you want an even better shock? Terry Watkins, Dial of Truth Ministries, reviewed Michael W. Smith in concert videotape put up by Reunion Records. Look what he finds on there. Amy Grant, as mild as she is, not once, but at least two different times she flashes satanic symbols and holds it. Surely Amy Grant is at the bottom of the scale of some of the stuff I've been talking about today. But the reality of it is, when you get in that level of music, you don't belong to yourself anymore. Well, why are you saying Amy Grant don't love God? You saying she's not sincere? She may be as sincere as the day is long. But I'm trying to tell you there's another spirit that will always manifest itself through compromised music. Okay. You may not be sold on that. Let me go on. Show them the next one. Look further right now at one of Amy, another one of Amy Grant's works. In her video, That's What Love Is For, Amy Grant's dressed in a red robe. Even if we ignored the fact that red robes are used in witchcraft, it'd be hard to ignore that in the palms of her hands are hexagrams. Let's look at the significance of the hexagram for a moment. Sean Sellers, who's in prison right now for sacrificing three people to Satan on an altar, writes in a book called The Web of Darkness that the hexagram is the most powerful and evil sign in all of Satanism. It's used to summons up spirits from the underworld. You want to summon up spirits from the underworld. You had to have hexagrams. That's where the word hex comes from, which means to cast a spell. Look at the next slide. Richard Ramirez's hand, the night stalker, killer. Reporters was watching him. He draws hexagrams in his hands, flashes at him because he's trying to curse them. Look at the next slide. Remember, a hexagram is used to summon up spirits from the underworld. Look behind Amy Grant. There's an undertaker. Spirits from the underworld. Wonder what the undertaker's doing there. What's that got to do with anything? Give me the next slide. Look at this behind her. In a very, I slowed it down so you can see it. There's an undertaker digging in the dirt. Reckon what the undertaker's there doing digging in the dirt. 
What's even more amazing, remember, hexagrams are used to summon spirits from the underworld. But watch what happens in the next clip. What he brings out of the underworld. He digs, and he reaches in the ground, and he pulls something from the underworld. What is it? It's a bass guitar. Let me tell you what he's trying to say. What else could it mean but to tell you that the spirits of the underworld are manifested in our music? Oh, listen to me. you got to understand why I'm so passionate today. The music may not kill you. The words may not kill you. But the spirits that are summoned up in that kind of music will destroy your soul and send you to hell. I've already proven that you don't feel the freedom to worship with that kind of music. So I'm going to tell you when you lay it. Come here. Give me those four right there. Come here. I want to preach to you that when you lay down your righteousness to listen to this kind of music, you're filling your spirit with the same kind of thing they feel. You listen to me very carefully today. When you're listening to that kind of music, you're doing to the inside, to the soul of a man, what they've done to the outside. Where'd the freedom go? Why was nobody shouting? Come on, boys. Come on, Nathaniel. This is my boy right here. You're a preacher. Come on. Show them how you can worship. You feel freedom, don't you, buddy? Lift your hands up and praise Him. You want to know why they don't feel like praising Him? Because there's something that happens to your spirit when you get engulfed in that kind of music. I want to tell you why we got young people sitting in our pews that can't worship, that can't lift their spirit up. It's because you've given yourself to that kind of music. I'll finish this in one place. Somebody said, Brother White, surely, give me the next slide. Somebody said, Brother White, surely, Brother White, you understand. We got to give in a little here and there. Bad part was it was supposed to be a preacher. He said, Brother White, you know we got to give in a little here and there. We can't toe the line so tight. And you know what? I went into depression over that. I got to thinking, brother, I'm probably weird. I'm probably the one that's messed up here. And then all of a sudden, God began to speak to me. And he said, what did I have to say about a little bit? Oh, I remember what you said, God. You said, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. That means if you leave it there, it's going to get bigger and what did God say about little? Oh, I remember. He said, if a woman trim her hair, she might as well shave it. Brother what? it's just a little. But you've got to understand, it's not the amount. It's the action. And it's not the amount. It's the action. God said, be ye holy, for I am holy. Can I tell you, if God said relate, if we got to relate, why did God say separate? He said, wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and I will receive you. I don't care how many times they confess God, claim God, accept God, until God accepts you, you're still lost as a goose in a hurricane. 
And God said, if you want me to accept you, come out, come out, come out, come out of their styles, come out of their attitudes, come out of their music. I'm trying to close today. Want to know why this service is doing what it's doing? I'm preaching to young people in this house today that harbor in your heart a tremendous desire to do something for God. My spirit was so broken last night when Brother Anthony Mangan got done preaching. My spirit was so broken because you've got dreams. I feel it in your spirit. You want to be used of God. You want to be the preacher, the missionary, the preacher's wife. But you need to settle it in your heart today. There's an everlasting truth. Your level of use by God will only be determined by your level of commitment to God. You will never, never. Listen, 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 listen. i got to say it, young people. You will never be used by God in a greater dimension than you're consecrated to God. You've got to separate yourself. You've got to separate yourself. If you want to be used of God, you've got to find a level of commitment. You want God to touch you every now and then, just touch Him every now and then. You want God to flow in every now and then, then you flow in Him every But if you want God to use you, you've got to separate yourself and come into the presence of God. I'm hurrying, Brother Graham. I'm trying to hurry. I'm trying to hurry. It would do you well to remember that God didn't need Nebuchadnezzar's music to show up in the fiery furnace. And He also doesn't need rap. And He doesn't need rock. And He doesn't need techno. And He doesn't need punk to show up in your world. He'll show up when you separate yourself. Young people, you're supposed to be holier than that. I'm trying to hasten through. I went to a Christian bookstore the other day. And uh, when I got there, I went and I was buying this kind of music. The lady behind the counter, she started laughing. I said, what's the matter, lady? I had a pile of gospel rock stuff. I said, what's the matter? She said, I can't tell you. I said, well, you laughing at me, baby. Just tell me. And she said, well, I, 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 I just... I said, come on, girl, just tell me what you... She said, I don't want to offend you. I said, well, tell me what you want to say. She said, excuse me, sir. I don't want to be offensive, but you look way too holy to be listening to that stuff. I said, lady, you didn't offend me at all. I want to thank God. I can look right. You're supposed to look holy. You're supposed to look right. And you're not fooling them. They know what you are. <coughs> I've got a music comparison chart. It says if you like George the Clay, you'll love Pearl Jam. If you like Skillet, you'll love Alice in Chains Rancid. If you love Living Sacrifice, on and on and on the list goes. I've come to tell you, they're more. They gave me this at a Christian bookstore, for God's sake. They are more than contemporary artists. They are kindred spirits. Kindred, kindred, kindred. I'm closing. 
Listen, I'm closing, I'm closing, I'm closing. Listen to me. Musicians, please listen to me. Singers, listen to me. You better make sure when you're singing your song, it's God driving the music and the Spirit instead of the Spirit driving the music and your God away. Hear me well. Musicians, you better guard yourself against compromising your gift from God. I gotta say it. I got, brother, what you don't want to listen? Nothing good. As long as we got Tim Pedagogues, as long as we've got uh, Indiana Bible College, as long as we got TBC, as long as we got Jackson, as long as we got these colleges, uh, as long as we got people like Mickey Mangan uh, and Alexandria, we don't need their music. I get scared to death. I preach so many camps and stuff this summer, but I get scared to death, Brother Graham. When I watch people, the singers set back like statues until it's their turn to get up and sing. And then they shout and talk in tongues. And when it's done, they go sit down. My God, why don't you get saved and realize there's a God? There's a God, Brother Graham. There's a God. You're not supposed to worship music. You're supposed to worship God. Preachers, pastors, we preach shouting and we should. We preach separation and we should. Uh, we preach worship and we should. But we better get back to preaching separation from the world. I gotta say it. I gotta say it. I preached enough youth camps this year without my saying a word. I've watched them bring in makeup and jewelry and ungodly music and throw it on a platform and say, I don't want it. I don't, I didn't have to preach against it. There's something in the heart of these young people saying, take me back. Take me back. I want to go back to holiness. I want to go back to separation. Gospel rock. Let me see. Gospel rock. Co-mingling opposites. Oh, I know what that's what. I know what that's what it is. That's, that's like righteous adultery. Sanctified fornication. Christian blasphemy. Holy perversion. Sanctified homosexuality. Godly alcoholism. Christian cocaine. Religious pornography. I'll tell you, it is the same thing. It's all compromise. Separate. Next clip. Separate. Who would have dreamed in 2001 the religious world would have dance categories? But you know what we've got? We got a group right there called Rays. The lead singer is named Jamarc Anton Davis. This video clip was taken from the Creation Festival movie put out by Sparrow Records. They were the number one Dove Award winner in the rap, hip-hop, and dance category. But according to Newsweek, the group was sidelined that night because the founder, next slide, because the founder, Jamarc Antoine Davis, was in jail on rape and molestation charges against one of the backup dancers, and he still won the awards!
How separated is that? God said, you'll be hated of all men for my namesake. Then why are Michael W. Smith and jars of clay espoused on VH1, POD, and Lifehouse? The Bible, uh, the, 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 new, the, the media says they're embraced by MTV. On and on and on I could go. But I've got to tell you, I've got to close. I've got to close. I've got to close. No, 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 no. you got choir practice. Give me the next slide. Where's the separation? If we're going to talk about separated, let's look at DC Talk. It might interest you to know what kind of inspiration DC Talk needed to do the create, create the freak show video. It's among the top selling Christian videos of all times. According to Billboard, November 11th, 1995, DC Talk's Toby McKeon speaks about in their free time. They like to watch videos of a group called Nine Inch Nails. It's a satanically driven group led by a man named Trent Reznor. On the screen's a picture of a video by Nine Inch Nails called Chosen. It shows a monkey being crucified on a cross surrounded by pictures of killers. According to Billboard magazine, McKeon openly talks about watching their videos and was so inspired by their videos he hired an Englishman named Simon Maxwell to come produce the freak show video does that sound separated to you amazingly enough you need to know who simon maxwell is he's the one that did nine inch nails videos and the same issue of billboard magazine talks to simon maxwell about what he thought about the finished product and he said it's not much different than the nine inch nails videos god help us if this world can ever look at us and say we're just not much different than everything else going on out there. I want to know if there's anybody out here that wants to be different. Anybody? Anybody? Brother Jimmy, I want you to skip six slides. I submit to you that somewhere in the heart, somewhere in the mind of people, don't even put it up there. Don't even turn it on the audio yet. Listen to me very carefully. We've got to come to grips with the spirit of holiness among us. There has never been a greater group of young people in the world than the young people right here. There has never been a mightier group of young people in the world than the young people right here. There's never been any greater. There's never been any stronger. There's never been any more equipped. But we're killing ourselves when we surround ourselves by this kind of music. What redeeming value is there in this compromise of holiness? I had a young girl. I've got, I've got, I'm closing. I had a young girl write me. I've got a stack of letters, Brother Graham. Matter of fact, I think she was from Missouri. She wrote me a letter and she said, Brother White, she said, for so long I'd been bound. I couldn't worship. There was no freedom in my spirit. I didn't know what to do. I was just hanging on because I was supposed to. And she said, and all of a sudden, she said, the worship hadn't flowed in forever. She said, and all of a sudden, you preach this message. She said, I, I didn't really feel so convicted about it. I just said, if that's what it takes to be closer to God, then I'll do it. And she said, when I laid it on the altar, she said, something happened inside of me. She said, I can't explain it, Brother White, within minutes. Tears that hadn't flowed in months were flowing out of my soul. And I lifted up my hands. And she said, a dimension of worship that I hadn't felt in so long began to flow. And she made one statement that I thought was amazing. 
She said, Brother White, why in the world can't young people understand that compromise will always lead to bondage? Parents, pastors, I'm going to say this, parents, some of you need to quit waiting on the pastor to come take care of it. You need to quit waiting on the pastor to crawl into your home and into their bedrooms. And you need to go in their bedrooms. You need to find it. And if it's there, let me show you how to take care of it. You take it and you destroy it and say, not in my house, not in my world. You're not going to defile. As long as they live in your home. It better be a holy environment, Brother White. i got to respect their privacy. Why? Pornography doesn't respect their privacy. Gay rights doesn't respect their privacy. The homosexual agenda doesn't respect. Drug use doesn't respect their privacy. Perversion. Don't you let those unholy spirits beat you in the battle for their soul. You need to stand up, Daddy. You need to stand up, Mama. Young people, you need to clean your cars out. You need to clean your CD wallets out and say, I'm going to be separate. Brother Graham, I've got more, but I'm done. I'm trying to be respectful to the time. I found something the other day. (laughs) It's so convicted my spirit, Brother Graham. I want everybody in this place to take inventory of the kind of music you're listening to. If you can't worship to it, you better think twice. We have been granted a glorious freedom. But I fear if we're not careful, our freedom will be our defeat. From the head of the unregistered union of churches of Russia... They write a letter. The head of the unregistered churches of Russia writes this letter, Brother Graham. For 30 years, we've suffered intense persecution. Now we have our freedom. But freedom is bringing another great harm to our churches. The damage is coming from Christians in America who are sending rock music and evangelists to our country accompanied by rock bands. This is a great burden to our hearts. We are embarrassed by this image of Christianity. We are very much against Christian Americans bringing to our country a false image of ministry to God. We need spiritual bread and not false cakes. It is true that rock music attracts people to the church, but never to godly living. We were in prison for 50 years for Christ's sake we were not allowed to have Christian music but rock music was played and used as a weapon against us day and night to destroy our souls we could only resist with much prayer we are no longer in prison now however now it's the Christians from America who are doing the damage to our souls We, the leadership and congregations of the unregistered churches, urge you to join with us 
and remove rock music from the American churches. Even the unbelievers recognize it's unholy music. I close today by asking Atlanta, Georgia, is there anybody in here that wants pure Pentecostal worship? Is there anybody in this house that still wants pure Pentecostal holiness? Is there anybody in this house, in this great youth congress 2001, that's willing to walk in Pentecostal separation from the world? Oh, I don't want to be used of God. That it needs to start with your music. If you want to be used of God, I'm asking everybody that can. If you can't make it down here, you need to lift your hands up and say, God, sanctify my mind. Determine in your spirit right now to take a stand. I've got so much more, but I have no time. All I'm looking for is young people to say, Brother White, I want to be used of God in a great way. But if I'm used of God in a great way, I've got to have a great devotion. I've got to have a great commitment. I call on the youth of the United Pentecostal Church to move from your seats. Find a place of sacrifice to God. We've got to return to separation. We've got to return to sanctification. We've got to return to holy hands. We've got to return to pure hearts. Worship Him. Worship Him. Come on. Come on. I want you to respond to the word of the Lord you received here today.